0: Thank you for that beautiful song. I'm very grateful to be here this morning. It's a privilege to come. And I'm thankful for your pastor and his wife and family. And uh, great to see some familiar faces here as well. It's great to see Joe here and Ben as well. They were down at the Youth Congress at Crown College and some others as well. I saw Jason and his mom and dad last night. We were eating at a restaurant and they, were, they stopped by to say hello. What a friendly place. And that's such an important thing is to have a friendly church And this certainly is that way. And I'm very thankful to be here and have the privilege uh, to preach this morning. If you'd take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Colossians. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 2 this morning. And I'm thankful, as I mentioned, for the friendship of your pastor. I can remember when he was a student and coming after class and having great questions and talking a lot about things. And God put it in his heart to be a church planter. And he met and married a wonderful person And we thank the world of Sarah and how she's been a great blessing to this church. And my wife and I had the privilege of church planting. And there's nothing like it when you start a church and the pastor and his wife are the music department and the the preaching department and the bulletin making department and the janitorial department and everything else you can imagine. And there's nothing like having a church planter for a pastor. Having a pioneering pastor who just has a vision that God has given him and what an exciting thing to see what God is doing here and to see some of the plans God willing in the future for this work going forward and this is a great encouragement to me to see what Pastor Van Amen and his wife in this church are going forward for the Lord and What a blessing it is to be here with you. My first time here in this area, if you'll forgive me, I must apologize for being from Michigan in a place like this. But he's he's from there as well, so you'll you'll have to forgive us both. But I'm very, very grateful to be here with you. And so thankful for what God is doing in this place. Keep on going. This is wonderful. And a friendly place where you can be very happy to bring friends and family members. And you'll know they'll hear the truth of God's word. And they'll be warmly welcomed. You, you can go to churches, and by, if you had a glass of milk at the back, by the time you got it to the pulpit, it'd be ice cream. It's so cold in those churches. It's just so austere, and there's no friendliness. But this is a great, friendly place, and the Spirit of the Lord is here, and there's liberty, and that's a great blessing. And I'm certainly thankful to be with you this morning. Colossians chapter 2. Let's read the first five verses together. And we're trusting God to speak to us through this part of God's inspired word. Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. Paul writes to these believers here in the city of Colossae. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith. In Christ. I'd like to draw your attention to a phrase we find at the last part of verse 5. Perhaps you underline things in your Bible and you'd be willing to underline this phrase the steadfastness of your faith. And I'd like to speak for a few moments this morning on this topic having a steadfast faith. Now, that is so important today. Having a steadfast faith is unfortunately becoming more and more rare. There are people who have had faith in the past, but you visit them today and perhaps as you go knock on doors in the area and you meet someone, they'll say, well, I, I've been a Christian for a number of years. Where do you attend church? Well, I don't attend church anymore. See, I've been hurt or offended. Someone said something, something happened. I've been burned. I've had a bad church experience and I just don't go anymore. And you know, my faith isn't what it used to be. I talk to many people and I hear this phrase being used over and over again. Have you ever heard someone use this phrase? I've just lost my faith. I've just lost my faith. It's so important in these days when many people seem to be losing their faith. Paul writes to these Christians to say, you can have a steadfast faith. Notice with me what Paul tells them. He's commending them. Back in chapter 1, notice with me, Paul tells them about the faith they've had in the past. Verse 4, Since we heard, past tense, of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. Paul said this, you used to have faith. And I commend you on having a past faith. But notice if you would, chapter 1, verse 23, Paul writes to them, if ye continue in the faith. That's talking about the present. It's great that we have had a faith. But let me ask you this morning. Are you a person who has present possession at this moment a steadfast faith? Not only that, notice if you would, our text, chapter 2, verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. That gives us an understanding that their faith wasn't just in the past. Have you met someone who's just had faith way back when somewhere, but they're not faithful now? Have you met someone who has had past faith and maybe presently they have faith, but you're not quite sure what's going to happen to them in the future? The Bible helps us understand past, present, and praise God, future. You can have a steadfast faith. You know, so many people are now leaving what they once believed and taught. They're famous people, famous Christian so-called people who are doing something called deconverting. Maybe you've heard of that. Very well-known pastor in the Washington, D.C. area. Famous author of a book. uh, Said one day, got up in front of his congregation, he said, I'm deconverting. I'm no longer going to be your pastor. I'm going to go search for the things I really believe in. He's now declared that he's agnostic. He's not sure if there is a God or not. He's no longer a Christian. So he says, and this is becoming more and more popular. uh, So-called Christian music groups have Singers and instrumentalists who have deconverted, pastors who have deconverted, a deconstruction, they're taking everything apart. They're not quite sure if all the things they have been taught all of their lives are really true. And we see this permeating down through the culture and coming into churches and we see people who once had a strong faith who now seem to have very weak faith. And we see people who have suffered disappointments. By the way, if you attend any church, it doesn't matter what church you go to, you're going to get disappointed sometime. That's a news flash, perhaps. But that happens. Why? Because we're imperfect people, but we serve a perfect Savior. And a church is a place for people who are wounded and who are hurt and who are disappointed to come and together with forgiveness and patience and grace serve a perfect living Savior. And that's what this church is about. And you'll be disappointed. Someone here will say something sometime, maybe inadvertently, maybe on purpose, to offend you. And you know what? You could say, I'm going to allow that to make me bitter and make me leave. And you could have someone who in years to come, who may be here today, who's no longer here because they didn't have a steadfast faith. I want you to see in the Word of God this morning that God has a desire for you to have a steadfast faith. You know, the Roman Empire had something amazing that they had developed. And when the Roman Empire was defeated around 400 in that 4th century A.D., Something was lost that plunged the world into the dark ages. Now there are many factors about how the world did in the end of days that there would be a lot of faithlessness in this world. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8 says, When the Son of Man cometh, will He find faith on the earth? It's easy to let your faith get wounded. It's easy to let your faith grow weak You must be intentional about having a steadfast faith. Look at our text. The first thing that we must have if we're going to have a steadfast faith is this. If you'll look with me at chapter 1 just for a moment. The permanence of the cross. The permanence of the cross. Notice chapter 1 verse 13, the Bible says here, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So as we come to understand the first part of having a steadfast faith is I must understand the permanence of the cross of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, in His death on the cross, in the shedding of His blood for our sin, did something that nothing else could have ever done. Purchased for us, our salvation. Pleased a holy, righteous, pure, and just God. That blood sacrifice that Christ gave as He laid down His life on the cross, purchased for us our salvation. You cannot have a steadfast faith if you don't, first of all, know Christ in salvation. In a group like this here today, a wonderful group of people, there may be somebody who has yet to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now you all look fine. You look all like wonderful people. But I can't see into your heart. My wife and I flew uh, back to the United Kingdom this summer. And when we got to the airport, there was an interesting thing. Maybe you've had this experience. And they have this big glass circle And they say, walk inside the circle and there are two yellow footprints on the floor. They say, put your feet on those footprints and hold your hands over your head like that. And while you do that, this giant magnet or something goes all the way around you. And then you step out. And if the red light comes on, there's something you forgot to take a key out of your pocket or something like that. And and you have to be searched. But if the green light comes on, you're free to go. What if... Instead of having a metal detector like that in church today, what if we had a salvation detector like that? And the only way you could get out of the building this morning is if you walked through that salvation detector and you stood on the little yellow foot pads and put your arms like this and the magnet went around. And a green light would come on if you truly knew Christ, but a red light would come on if you didn't. Which color would the light be for you today? Are you here and you may appear to be a Christian? You may look like a Christian on the outside. You may sing like a Christian. You may in every way appear to be, but in your heart there's something missing and that is genuine salvation that comes alone from trusting Christ as your Savior. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians just for a moment, I want to draw your attention to the words of this warning. Second Corinthians chapter 13, and the Bible says in verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. In other words, the Bible here is telling us, you need to give yourself an exam to see if you're truly saved. Have you ever seen a rip-off or a counterfeit? We take the choir to New York City, and the college choir goes and sings in places. And the last time we went, one of our workers that went with us got to Times Square, and one of these men came up and said something like this, You want to buy a watch? And what did he say? Yes. So he went off into a little dark alley, and about ten minutes later, he came back out and he said, I got a, I got a, I got a Rolex. I got a rolex i only paid i think he said he paid 75 dollars for it he said this is amazing and rolexes are thousands of dollars and i got he the man told me it was it was real i don't know if it is but i love it it's great and he said his rolex and we took the students to a few places Then we got back on the subway and i said let me see that and i looked at it and it was two hours late and i said did you ever set that he said yeah i said it i said look at it he said oh This is horrible. It doesn't work at all. Well, are you surprised? You bought a Rolex on Times Square from a man in a coat in a dark alley. You you don't buy... This is an interesting thing. It It was not a real Rolex, but it was looking like a real Rolex. I don't know how many of you are connoisseurs of fine shopping like I am, but the place that I love to shop sells a really famous brand of clothing called Ozark Trail place called walmart <laughs> now i have seen north face jackets for sale i have seen gucci jackets for sale and the rip-offs you know people make counterfeit rip-offs a louis vuitton bag for ten dollars on canal street in new york city you see those things but i've never seen somebody trying to sell a counterfeit ozark trail rain jacket <laughs> never seen it why because ozark trail rain jackets aren't very valuable are they But, you know, the things that are very valuable have lots of counterfeits. But what is more valuable than salvation? What could be more important than your eternal destiny? And so don't you think the enemy of our souls, don't you think Satan is trying to sell as many counterfeits as he can? And the Bible says, be sure. Don't guess, don't just hope, don't just think, hopefully I'm saved. Be sure, examine yourself. Be sure that you're in the faith. Be certain of it. How can I examine myself? It was interesting, my wife and I were ordering contacts, we both were contacts, and we had to go get an eye exam, and the lady on the phone said, no, we'll send you an eye exam on the phone. Sure enough, they have a phone, on, on your phone they give you a test. You stand so many feet away, you read the letters... And they say, okay, we're going to send you your your prescription. I thought, that's wonderful. I just saved $110 from having an eye exam. It's wonderful. I can examine myself. The Bible says here, you need to examine yourself. Why? No one else can examine you. Because only you know what's in your heart. Do you have a love for God and His people? Do you desire to be with the people of God? Do you you look forward to coming to church and fellowshipping with the people of God? When the preacher gets up to preach, do you look at your watch and think, oh, I wonder how long this is going to go on for? Or do you love the Word? Is there an appetite for the Word of God? The Bible tells us that the Word of God is our spiritual meat and drink. That as a believer, we want it. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Would you raise your hand if you had breakfast this morning? Why did you have breakfast? Well, I've had to. My wife stood over me and said, if you don't eat breakfast... That didn't happen. You ate breakfast because you what? You were hungry. And you know why a Christian comes to a place like this and carries a Bible and wants to hear the preaching of God's Word? It's not because they have to. It's because they want to. Inside of them, there's a desire to love the Lord Jesus. And they know there's a great sign of life. When someone's hungry, they're alive. But when someone is dead, there's no hunger at all. May I ask you, have you examined yourself? Are you sure that you're saved today? Because Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never said a wrong word. He never had a wrong thought. He never did a wrong deed. And yet He died on the cross. Why? For my sin and for yours. And so any of us who would today believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died in my place, He was buried, He rose again, He's alive today, I can trust on Him, I can believe on Him, and He can save me, guess what He'll do? He'll receive you, He will take you, He will change your life, He'll give you eternal life and forgiveness. What a blessing to know we can be sure and certain, we can have assurance that we've been born again by God's Spirit. And that comes through the permanence of the cross. By the way, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, what a great verse. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If you have a modern version of a Bible and it doesn't have the phrase through His blood, I'd suggest you get a different Bible because the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And the blood of Christ is that great truth that we come to Christ through. Notice verse 20 and verse 21 and 22 in chapter 1. Not only the cross of Christ in our salvation, but the cross of Christ in our sanctification. Verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled, notice verse 22, in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. The cross of Christ is not only instrumental in our salvation, it's also instrumental in our sanctification. Did you know that salvation is more than just a ticket out of hell? That if you've received salvation, there's something for you to be engaged in, in this world, in your life, for the glory of God. He saved you for a reason, and that reason is greater even than for you to escape hell. It's for you to give God glory with your life, here and now, in this life, today. And God has something for you, and He's working in your... Because of what Christ has done on the cross, He's working to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's working in our hearts to conform us to His image. So, having a steadfast faith not built on emotions. I grew up in a church like that, built on emotions. Having a steadfast faith does not depend on your feelings. There are some mornings you might wake up and not feel like a Christian. But our faith isn't built on our feelings or our emotions. Our faith isn't built on our works No, we are not saved by our works or our deeds. We're saved by God's grace through faith in what Christ did on the cross for us. So having a steadfast faith must begin with the cross of Christ. That's the first step. Do you know you're saved? Do you know Christ has changed your life through the power of the gospel? Well, this is so important. Secondly, the second element in having a steadfast faith is that a steadfast faith is built upon the preeminence of Jesus Christ. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. Now, that word preeminence is a very important word we find in chapter 1. Notice, if you would, verse 16. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible helps us understand some important things about uh, what we need to understand regarding the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh Chapter 1, I should say. My apologies for for being confusing. Chapter 1 and verse 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in that all things He might have what? The preeminence. What is preeminence? It's a word we need to understand. First of all, Christ is preeminent because of His ownership. He owns us. How does Christ own us? Did you know that He owns us because verse 16 tells us He's our Creator? He made heaven and earth and everything that dwells in the earth. He made us. You take out a hat or a, almost anything these days and you'll find on it somewhere printed, Made in China. That's just the world we live in. Almost everything we have is made in China. But on our souls, there's an imprint made by God. I've been made by God. He owns me because He's my Creator. And he uh, I'm obligated to, ke- to Him because He owns me. No wonder there's such an attack on creation. first 11 chapters of the Bible are hated by the world. Why? Because it's establishing the fact that God... Owns you by the fact that He is your creator. You will answer to God someday because He made you. But not only is He preeminent because of His ownership, Christ is preeminent because of His stewardship. Notice verse 17. And He is before all things and by Him all things. Notice that last word in verse 17. Consist. The word consist means to be held together. He sustains us. We're obligated to Christ because without Christ we would molecularly speaking, fly apart. Did you know that they're spending billions of dollars in Switzerland trying to find out what they call the God particle? The particle that makes matter hold together. They can't figure that out. The Bible explains it to us and for three or four dollars you could buy a Bible and learn all about it. It's an amazing thing. By Jesus Christ, all things are held together. They can't explain why the cells in your hand don't just fly apart. What's holding them together? Jesus Christ. He is preeminent because He's our Maker. He's the one who holds all things together. And Christ is preeminent because of His leadership. Notice verse 18. And He is the head of the body, the church. Not the Pope. Not a Cardinal. Not a Bishop. Who is the head of the body, the church? Jesus Christ who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead now notice this that in all things he might have the preeminence now many people forget what preeminence is preeminence is not prominence prominence is to have a list and on top of that list it says number one and then there's number two that's not preeminence that's prominence jesus doesn't desire to be prominent He desires to be preeminent. What prominence is, is if I had a whole list over here and it just had one name on it, Jesus Christ, that's preeminence. Let me explain it this way. How many of you are married? Would you raise your hand if you're married, please? Wonderful. That's great to see. If you're married, your spouse in that marriage should be, in the sense of marriage, preeminent. She shouldn't be one of the many people that you have a relationship with. She should be your one and only wife. Or he should be your one and only husband. Let's let's put this to the test. What if you came to your wife and said, Honey, I love you, and you're my best girl, but what, it, before you get upset, I'm going to be faithful to you. 364 days a year. What's your problem? What? Why are, you so, why are you throwing things at me? Is that what would happen? She would be upset. What if, what if you said to your husband, I love you and I, I'm so thankful for your kindness and love toward me and I'm going to be faithful to you 11 months out of the year. And your husband would say, well, that's very kind of you, honey. What, what, a, what a nice lady. He wouldn't say that. He'd say, no, no, no. I, I want you to be faithful to me 12 months a year. And your wife, she'd expect you to be faithful to her 365 days a year. That's preeminence. The one and only, not one of many. So is Jesus Christ preeminent in your life? That's the question. He deserves to be. He's our creator. He deserves to be. He's the one who holds all things together. He deserves to be. He's the one who leads all things, and He is to be preeminent. Have you ever gone to a house and seen a sign that says this Forget the dogs, beware of the children? Or maybe you've seen a a sign that says this, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's the world we live in today, right? You know, we lived in in England for 11 years as missionaries, and we go into old saints' homes, and they still had things up from maybe 80 or 90 years ago, old framed pictures. And this is one that I saw that I thought was very interesting. It said, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal the silent listener to every conversation. That's the type of home where Christ is preeminent. Amen. William Cowper, that old hymn writer that wrote so many beautiful hymns along with John Newton like Amazing Grace and God Works in a Mysterious Way, he wrote this in one of his hymns, The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. May I ask you a question this morning? Is Jesus Christ preeminent in your life? If He's not, you do not have a steadfast faith. Christ should be preeminent. What does that mean? He's the decision maker. I'm not going to argue with Him. I'm going to accept what He says and obey what He commands. That's the preeminence of Christ. I want to please Him more than I want to please me. The third, essential if we're going to have a steadfast faith. A steadfast faith is built upon the prominence of the local church. Now, how can I test myself to see if Jesus Christ is preeminent in my life? There's a really practical way to give yourself that self-exam. And it is this. What value do you give to the local church? Because what Jesus Christ loves... If we belong to Him, we should love. Ephesians 5 verse 25 tells us that Christ loved the church and gave Himself what? For it. So Jesus Christ, if He loves the body of believers, the Bible tells us He does, and we say we know Jesus as our Savior, what's going to matter to us? The same thing that matters to Him. And I would never want to insult the local body of believers. I would never want to do damage to the local church because the bride and body of Christ is something the Lord Jesus is very, very protective of. Perhaps one of the most unwise things a person could do, if you're a man, and you'd come up to another man who's married, one of the most unwise things you could do is insult his wife. You, you should hope you have health insurance if you do that, right? Because it might end up badly for you if you insult someone's wife. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ gave Himself for the church and for us to do damage to the local body of believers, to, for us to sow discord, for us to, to do things that would hurt others in it, we should be very careful because Christ takes that very, very seriously. It's His body. It's His bride. He's jealous with a godly jealousy of it. So how can I tell if Christ is preeminent? It's fleshed out. It's seen practically in how we look at the local church. There are some people here, and I don't know hardly any of you, so I'm not targeting any of you. And, and Pastor Van Amen hasn't told me anything negative about anybody, and I'm impressed by that. That's great. But I bet there are in this room SMO Christians. Are you an SMO Christian? You know what that means? Sunday morning only Christians. Are you an SMO Christian? You only show up Sunday morning. Now, I don't know who that is. Hopefully, there's none. Pastor Van Eamon, I hope there's no SMO Christians here. But maybe you're an SMO Christian. May I say to you, I suggest you be more than an SMO Christian. I was at a church, in fact, Charles Spurgeon's church in London, and I went there just to visit. And the, the pastor who's been there now over 50 years... A very, very British man. Uh, He had a question and answer series. And I remember one British pastor raising his hand. He said, yes. He said, well, there are many in our church that have decided we're not going to have a Sunday night service. And we're not going to have a midweek service. We're just going to have in-group things where we go to each other's homes. We're just going to have a Sunday morning service. And that's all in the week. What do you think of that? And that very British pastor said something that surprised me. He's very polite. You know how British people are very polite and understated. And he looked at the man and he said, Rubbish. Rubbish. Rubbish, he said. And then he said three things that, that blew my mind. You know, because I've had pe- people in my own family who've said, Why do you go to a church that has three services a week? We only have one. It's way more fun. We get to go up to the lake and do all these other things. And you have to go to church every Sunday night. Oh. And this pastor said some things. Listen to what he said. He said, I have some questions for you, sir. He said, is it because Christians are more godly than they were 100 years ago? Is that why you shouldn't go to church more often? He said, is it because the world is spiritually better than it was 100 years ago when people used to go to church three times or sometimes four times a week? He said, is it because Christians need less of God's Word or less of fellowship with God's people? Is that why? And I thought, wow, those are good answers. The world isn't a better place than it was 20 years ago or 100 years ago. We need more fellowship, not less fellowship. We need the Word of God to strengthen us more in an ever-increasingly darkening world. And so, as we understand this, notice... Verse 24 of chapter 1, the Bible says this, "...who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for His body's sake, which is the church." The work of God in this world is going on through the body of Christ. When Jesus Christ was here on earth, His hands and His feet, He was in places and He was doing a work in villages and towns. And now that He's ascended into heaven, His spiritual body on earth is to do what Christ would do if He lived in Pickerington, Ohio. What would Jesus Christ be doing today if He lived in Pickerington, Ohio? That's what we're to be doing. Because we're the body of Christ... That God has placed here. But notice chapter 1 verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. But now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Among the Gentiles which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There is a great work that God is doing through his local church. And God receives glory. As the local church grows and obeys Christ and people are saved and baptized and God gets glory. In an atheistic world, in a God-hating world, this place brings glory to God. Your fellowship, your unity brings glory to God. And so there's so much, there's a work here to do. Notice verse 28. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The work of the local church is to make you mature, to make you perfect in Christ Jesus, to grow you up. You know what I find interesting? Some people go to a gym and they want to build up their physical body and that's a wonderful thing to do. And the person at the gym, they'll pay to be their trainer, says things like, you're not going to give up. Five more reps. Don't you dare put that barbell down. Five more reps. And they'll listen to a, a trainer all day. But when they come to church and the preacher says something they don't like, they get offended and walk out wait don't you want to be built up spiritually don't you want to have a a preacher a pastor a shepherd who cares about the flock and who puts into into your life the things that are going to help you and build you up to be like the lord jesus christ absolutely absolutely so these three elements do you know you're saved is jesus christ preeminent in your life is the local church prominent? Are you someone who makes time, you know, ball games, practices, fishing, everything imaginable can take the place of church in a Christian's life. But if the church is not in the prominent place it should be, we'll not have a steadfast faith. We'll grow weak in our faith. I might close with just saying this these ingredients must be present. Have you ever seen a milking stool, three legs? It has to have all three legs to work. Take one leg away, it doesn't work at all. My wife and I lived in England and I can remember being in London late one night trying to get the train back home. And a train came by and it was a local. It stopped at every stop and I thought, Ah, I'll not take the local, I'll wait for the express. It was about 30, one of the last trains to come and the local stopped and, and one of the people said, are you coming in? And I, no, I'll wait later. So the local went on and I waited and waited. And the express came. I heard it coming. I thought, I'll pick up my suitcase and get ready. And you know what happened? The express went right on by. That was the last train of the night. I missed it. I missed it. There are people in this service today who know they should just get heart deep here. They know that. And they've been thinking for for maybe some months, you know, I need, to, I need to get more involved. I need to get engaged. We need to be more faithful. We need to make Christ preeminent. We need to make the church more prominent. But we're going to wait for a bit. We're going to wait till he gets that done or she gets that finished or he gets that started. And we're going to wait. May I say to you, the time will come when there's no way to get on. Get involved now. Get heart deep now. Get engaged now. Because to have a steadfast faith, you need that. The Colosseum in Rome, all those things that were built. You know, the critical ingredient that was missing was volcanic ash from only one place, Puseoli, Italy. They lost the recipe. So no more building. I'm saying to you, if you want a life built that will last, if you want a life of steadfast faith, know Christ. Make Christ preeminent. Make the local church something that you love and give yourself to. Why? Because Jesus loved it. And gave Himself for it. Amen. Would you bow with me in prayer? We'll ask the pastor to come and extend the invitation. Heavenly Father, help us be people who obey Thee. We were made by Thee. We were saved by Thee. And now we owe Thee our lives. Help us express that to Thee in our engagement in Thy body. This local body of believers. For the lost that may be here today, please work in their lives and save them. And do a mighty work in all of our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.